This is Ashley Bank from the Monster Squad, also known as the youngest Scream Queen, and you're listening Without Your Head. Station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil. I'm Treacherous Trista. And we're joined by Paul Hyatt, a former FX artist and current filmmaker. It's very cool to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. This is great fun. Yeah. So this is, we're doing six weeks of the Werewolf series. And uh, Trista had had Howe on her list. And I was, I feel bad for saying that I wasn't aware of the movie, but I was, I loved it. I was uh, very glad she oh, brought it up on the show. Awesome, thank you. So, uh, when you first made How, like, um, how long was making werewolf movies something you always wanted to do? Um, I always wanted to do a creature feature at one point. Um, my first film, Season House, I really didn't want to do a creature movie because I, I had a whole background in uh, effects makeup and I've made so many creatures and done the descent. So I kind of felt as my directorial debut, everyone's going to be thinking, I'm going to do creatures and tons of makeup effects. And I thought, you know something? I've got to show that I can do something else away from that because people know that I can do effects. People know that I can do creatures. You know, and the main thing about a film is characters, story, you know, the sort of, so, so I kind of thought, you know, something I wanted to do something really cool and dark and drama based, and I did Season House to show that I could, you know, deal with actors and tell a story without having to rely on, you know, creatures coming out, shadows ripping heads off. Um, so that was great. And then 
when the producers, uh, they had watched Season House at uh, Fright Fest. Um, and they called me up and said that, you know, um, a director has dropped out of uh, How, and do you want to come uh, come along and chat to us? So, you know, I went in with a you know a bit of a different kind of. I kind of wanted to go a more. It was the, the original script was quite more comedy based, and I thought, you know, something if we could do this a bit darker, a bit cooler, a bit more grounded in reality. And they were like, yeah, that's exactly what we want. So, you know, I was like, cool. So my next one's a creature feature. Um, and I mean, I think I, I never, because I didn't write how, it, it, it was never sort of my intention to think, oh, one day I'm going to write a werewolf movie. Um, so when it came to me, it was much more a case of, oh, that's a fun idea. What can I do with, you know, a werewolf movie? Um, obviously, I had, to, I had to keep it a 15 certificate. Um, I want to do a lot more gore and really intense deaths. Um, and they were like, no, you know, we, we need to go for 15. And then for some reason it got given an 18 certificate, age rating, you know, in, in oh, okay. Britain. And we were like, I, I reined it all in and I could have had so much more gore. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's we went for much more fun sort of werewolf movie rather than a, a dark dark scary one how about the because your werewolf is a well there's two different kinds of movies a big giant one that you first see that breaks in and then the other ones are are more slender and creepy but they're all very monster like i think they're more monstery like than 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 wolf like yeah you know something i kind of felt everything's been done with heavy werewolves um in, in my past career doing creatures, I'd done big, hairy werewolves. And you watch the howling and, you know, I love those werewolves. And American Werewolf in London, you know, I mean, you know, you can't really, in terms of fluffy werewolves, they're amazing. And I kind of quite like the underworld werewolves. And then I was kind of thinking, you know, what could we do? And I kept thinking about Jason Voorhees. And, you know, if he got transformed into a werewolf, what would it look like? So I, I kept, you know, we talked a lot. Oh, hello, someone else has popped up. Yep. Hi. Uh, terrible Troy is here with us now. Hello, everybody. Uh, hi. That, that, that's a horror setting in your background. <laughs> that's <laughs> just his basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I, I, I was um, – so we, we went around quite a lot trying to work it out, and – also, doing a massive, when you do a massive werewolf with the sort of legs and the shape of a wolf, it didn't really lend well to being in a train carriage because you've got something that's on all fours and really long. And, you know, so, so it, it was thought of logistics, how could we do it on the train? And also, you know, do we really want to do something? Really, and also, I got this thing about fur. You know, fur after three or four days, it's all looking skanky and it takes so much maintenance, and you're forever trying to, you know. And I, I just thought sometimes with fur, you, you just you, you lose all the cool detail. And I knew we were going to be shooting a lot in the dark, and I always had this worry that sometimes it could look like a big bouffant toilet brush. 
you know, so that was always like my sort of, okay, you know, let's just give it a little bit of hair so it's technically a werewolf. And we, we sort of came up with the idea that they would bite someone and you transform and that's it. There's no sort of full moon or silver bullets. You get bit, you turn into one. That's it. Mm-hmm. So we messed around with the mythology a bit. Yeah. Now, did you do the effects on how? No, no. I, I, I was kind of quite busy directing it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think at that time, yeah, at that time I didn't have a studio anyway. If, if I'd had a studio, I probably would have got my guys to do it. But I think, I, yeah, I'd given it, yeah, I didn't have a workshop then. So I went with my friends, Christian Maddock. He's one of the guys that used to work with me. And, yeah, he done a great job. But, you know, we, we prepped that film in about six weeks. I mean, that was building a train, building all the creatures, building everything in, in a crazy amount of time. You know, I can't believe we did it. I think about that now, and I think, my God, how did we do that? But, you know, it was... Yeah, so we we were kind of quite happy about that. Uh, the train itself is that hard to shoot in, like a narrow, uh, a narrow setting, which you also do a lot in uh, the seasoning house. A lot of yeah, I mean, kind of funny with the train because we when we were prepping it, we were thinking, do we shoot on the real train? Do we find locations? And we went to British Rail. Um, or GWR, I think it was. It, it was one of the English. Um, I don't think British Wales. It was a big. It, I think it's G, GWR, and they said, "Yeah, we've got some rolling stock of trains. So come and um, have a look at the train. Come and have a chat with us." And we got there. We were like, "Oh wow, look, this train is is great. We can." And there and there were so many rules. There was like, "Can't get under the train." You know, if you get under, all the power here's got to be turned. There were so many rules, you know, and I was like, there, there, there's, you know, I said to the guy, there's a scene where the, the, the young bloke goes under the train. Um, and he goes, no, no, we, we've got a thing that we don't let anyone under the train. I said, what about if all the power's off? He goes, no, no, the problem is we hit two people a week on average um, and we can only clean off a certain amount of them. And I, I, I was like, Whoa, you mean so there's because yeah, there's you know, you go down there, you'll always find like a finger or something, and, I, and it really freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, there's like real dead, dead business going on under there, so you know, were they then, all matter of fact about it? Like, oh, yeah, you find some, yeah, you know, he, he some was telling you, like, yeah, he was like, <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we wash it down, the police come and take the big bits, and then we have to try to get the little bits out. Which, you know, I was like, oh, my God, that's so <laughs> insane. And and then we got onto the train, and all the time it's so, so packed. And there was another train movie that had been made in England like six months before that, and, I, and the producers chatted to them, and, and we watched it. And you could tell all their angles with the camera was sort of like on rails and, you know, above where you put the luggage and they couldn't, you know, I, I like to be free with the camera and do cool stuff. So we designed it that you could pull out parts of the wall and it was nice to be able to say, right, these are all my shots. I need to have that wall pulled out and that wall pull, pulled out. This could do this. 
and we could literally cut holes in it and do all this cool stuff without any worry of fingers being found or yeah yeah i think that's always a good thing yeah yeah and it was kind of nice as well because essentially 90 percent of the movie is done it's all green screen and you know we had this little um warehouse all green screen and only the bits only the last the last couple of scenes where they escape and they're outside in the forest that was the only bit actually on location and everything else was done on a train and you know it was kind of funny because you'd come in and oh it was kind of funny because we had all this the, the shrubbery that we we brought in after about a week ago a week or so it all started to die so we look at all these plants some of them are rubber and they stayed green and all the real ones were going brown and starting to smell and you know, it was it, it was kind of um, and the water. We had so many rain effects, and we had wooden doors on pulleys, and the wood started to swell. So because of the rain, and it, you know, the doors would go like it was just yeah. It, it was a real experience building and doing a train set. It really was. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Uh, Tristan, do you have a question? Do you have a personal favorite horror film? Um, if I had to say the one that means most to me would be the thing, John Carpenter's. It was the film that kind of, you know, I was watching all the Freddy films. I was a huge horror junkie. You know, I loved Freddy, Jason, everything. And then suddenly the thing I watched, I was like, oh my God, this is so different to everything it's it's got story it's got character development it's got nihilistic tone to it the music every part of it was perfect you can't you can't you know get any better than that every single thing about it there's not one flaw to that movie you know i've watched it i don't know over my time you know i don't laser disc i had it on you know I've, i've owned that movie i've watched it and whenever you accidentally come across it, I've always got to watch it. You know, it is, it is just such a good good film. Yeah, I agree with that. I've mentioned sort of that on the show before. I think it's it, it, it has the best of everything. You, know, you yeah. can watch it, just the effects of the monsters are so awesome. But the cast is great and the story, everything about it. Like just what you said, there's really no flaw. And it's I do like, recommend yeah. the board game, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the soundtrack on the vinyl. Uh-huh. But it is. It's, it's when, when you hear that first thumping on the soundtrack, you just know you're just going to get on that sofa and slide in and buckle up. It's just you just never get bored of it. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the uh, the monster, whatever you want to call it, like it's really alien because it's not, you know, a guy in a suit. It's it's just bizarre stuff. Yeah, That's I mean, it's, uh, as, as a young kid watching that, that was one of the things that really pushed me into wanting to do effects. It was like, I was just so, you know, like other people sort of talk about, oh, it was the exorcist and Dick Smith's wonderful old age makeup. Me, it was like creatures. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was like, yeah, the it dog. Just blew your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, oh, it was just, you know, it just blew my mind. And that's when I really wanted to see if I could try to get into the effects. Um. So when you started to get into effects, uh, how did you go about that? Because were there schools around at that time? Was it like before, like there was really like effects schools? 
Um, no. Um, you know, something, it's really weird because, you know, as I was getting out of effects, I was seeing how people now get into effects. You know, something, there's, a, there's YouTube tutorials, there's all this stuff. You know, my day, because, you know, I didn't know whether I wanted to make movies or do effects. I knew at that time, it's not like now where anyone can make a movie on the phone. You know, you can get an iPhone X and make a, a, a decent looking movie. In, in my day, when I was young, you couldn't do that. You know, it was like you could borrow someone's eight millimeter camera and a terrible and, you know, be all overexposed or grainy or you step a little. You know, now, you know, people can download stuff for free and edit for free and make all this stuff free. If that had been there when I was young, I probably would have gone into more directing. Um, but, you know, you had to be rich and go to film school and national film school and all this sort of stuff. So I thought, what can I do? So I thought, you know, maybe I'll push the effects. And I got in touch with a bunch of people and, you know, I, I got some tips. But then I, then I went to makeup school and, you know, they had a prosthetics course and that. And that's where, you know, I joined with their agency. And then I sort of went and done loads of short films. I mean, I think for about three or four years, you know, I worked for pretty much nothing. You know, I had a very understanding father who said to me, come live with me, you know, and you don't have to worry about rent bills, anything like that. And, you know, just just get as much practical experience as you can. So I was working, you know, on whatever I could, the most low-budget rubbish stuff, but it was all about practicing my craft, you know, and... I mean, I was very lucky to have a father that just said, look, I'll pay for your food. Here's a, you know, you can stay with me, blah, blah, And I never had to worry. All I had to worry about was just trying to get good at my craft. So I was really lucky in having an understanding father. And then eventually those people would go from doing their low-budget stuff to the bigger stuff and call me. And, yeah, it's something that I thought I was just going to be – a guy with a makeup box, you know, um, or working for a studio and coming on. I didn't realise that at some point I was going to get my own studio and workshop and hire all the guys. And and that's where it sort of started to go get less fun because, you know, I've got 10 guys to look after. I do so much admin. I've got four films on at once. That means all I'm doing is budgets. All I'm doing is scheduling. All I'm just making sure this person's here, that person's there. You know, I could be in a supermarket, you know, and it was, um, I mean, I'd always have a love for it and I still watch stuff and go, oh, wow, that was a cool makeup or that was, but yeah, the last few years of it were kind of like, I knew my, um, my next career was calling me and you know, also, to be honest with you, as a director, you get there one hour before filming and you shoot and then you pretty much get in a car and take you back. As a prosthetics guy, you get there like four, five hours earlier than anyone else. Do all your makeup, you've got to stand around for 12 hours, mostly bored, and then you do your effect. And then you've got to, you know, when everyone's gone home, you've got to take and de-rig everyone. And so as a director... It's not easier, that's not the right word, but physically, 
you know, stamina-wise, it's much easier. You know, it's like the day is like two-thirds of the day, and you're always busy and you're totally, you're never bored, you know. it's So, yeah, it, it, it was nice to be able to make that jump. So, you know, you mentioned your father, um, he, you know, he, he wants you to pursue this. So you're you're getting all this experience, you know, you're gonna you're doing effects for any movie for any movie, low budget, whatever. Um so when you're doing that, does that prepare you to become a director being on the movie sets? You kind of Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, to be honest with you, I think it's that watching movies my whole life and then having that physical sort of time on set. And it was working with the good directors and bad directors. You know, you're sort of watching them block out scenes. You're watching and you're thinking, why are they shooting from that angle? They're not covering that right. You know, they're doing... And it, it, it was great. And also, you know, I worked with someone like Neil Marshall, who always, you know, he's really lovely to work with. He knows his stuff. You watch and you learn. And then you could go work with someone. I'm not going to say their name. But, <laughs> you know, you work with a bad director, you're just like, oh my God, where have they got this guy from? You know, it's, and, and you learn. And, and it's kind of funny, you know, over the years, you start to really watch how they block out the scene, how they talk to the actors, how they, you know, pull off all the technical or logistical things. But, you know, it, it got to a point that when I was about to direct my first movie, I actually said to my producer, who's a, guy who just sees in the house, I said, look, I think about directing a short film. He's like, why? Because you, you've got your knowledge, education, do a feature. Don't be lazy. And I was like, okay. So we worked out a feature. But yeah, essentially, before I'd done my first feature, I was completely versed in fights, stunts, um, pyrotechnics, makeup, prosthetics, visual effects. I understood all of that. So I could really just put my time into, you know, the sort of actors and the performance and, you know, something like how. I think we shot it in uh, five weeks and two days, which when you've got a cast of nine people and you've got stunts and you've got creature suits and you've got everything is on green screen, so continually worrying about 3D visual effects, um, you know, little things like, you know, if I put too much smoke, you can't see this. Is it going to, you know, I need to have a 3D effect there and that's going to get in the way. And if they've got a roto, so you're always constantly thinking. And, and to do a film like that in five weeks, it was only because I had that experience beforehand that I could then take it. It still wasn't long enough, never is. Um, but yeah, it was invaluable, my sort of time on set. Uh, just real quick, because you mentioned uh, the smoke. Uh, I love the scenes, you know, near the end when they are outside. It's got a very classic horror uh, look to it, with the the moonlight coming through the through the trees and the kind yeah. of the smoke coming up and all that. Really, and the and the glowing eyes on the werewolves, I think, are, are great. Oh, I was also trying to think of. I wonder if I could do a little bit of a mix of uh, a disaster movie and a werewolf movie, you know. I would like to have done more with the train and crashing and 
you know, I would like to have done more stuff with the train actually moving and the creature ripping it, and but you know, budgets and time yeah. and you know. We mentioned disaster movie. I like the you know the the humans themselves are not just people getting picked off. They're not just there to get killed and stuff. It, it's interesting to see you know who decides to work together, who's out for themselves, you know, and, and turning on each other, and all that's very interesting. Yeah, I think if you do get those characters interesting then people are going to lose interest, you know, and, you know, we try to do a lot about the sort of power play between men and women and the whole alpha versus beta, male and female and all that sort of stuff. So it works on everyone's kind of levels and, you know, finding stuff inside them to come out. And there's a lot of things that we were trying to sort of do. And, you know, it's funny for every one person that says, oh, I really liked your characters. And, you know, I thought, you know, the character arts were great. And I thought there's always someone that goes, oh, I didn't like any of them. They're so unlikable. So, you know, it's, it's, but yeah, now and again, I like films where, you know, you have a bunch of unlikable characters, you know. It's, Why not? <laughs> That's like real life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What do people feel about me? Uh, Tristan, yeah. any question? You make scary things, so I'm wondering if you have any fears or phobias that you fear, feel comfortable sharing with us. Uh, 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 yeah, I hate maggots. I oh, can't yeah. near maggots. Oh, my God. I just, when I was in school, someone put some maggots down my, my um, shirt and... It's just the most disgusting thing ever. So even when I'm watching the movie now, I can watch horrible carnage. But if I see maggots, I'm like, you know, even... I know there's one uh, one Friday the 13th where Jason Voorhees gets... There's a maggot bit. Yeah, and you see the maggots on the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and maggots. I, I really hate maggots. I, I would say that's a big favorite. And pigeons. I hate pigeons. Really? Pigeon. Yeah. If I see them, I always try to walk all the way around. There's something about their flapping. And I don't mind most sort of birds and stuff, but pigeons, I don't know if they're so disgusting and they're so filthy. And they've always been like in, in a puddle having a wash and then they wash and, and, and fly near me and I... I just think about everything coming off them. So pigeons, really horrible. Maggots, horrible. Uh, I think that's I think that's my two main things. Like every day when I go out, I'm always a little bit. I hope I don't run into too many pigeons <laughs> or maggots. But yeah, probably or more likely to run. I mean, if you maggots, you you rarely come across maggots. <laughs> right, right. You know, you're that's a good point. If, yeah, if you have to see a lot of maggots. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but pigeons, pigeons are always there. You know, yeah, I, you never want to work at a dump or anything like that because then <laughs> then you're probably getting like a lot of things like that. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, it's. I, I'm I'm pretty much vegan and I love animals, but pigeons. If I could kill every pigeon <laughs> in the world, I, I would. I'm sorry, I hate them. I, I no really hate them. Yeah. yeah, that's my worst nightmare. Is there used to be this um, market, and this guy used to come with his pigeon feed, and there'd be about 
I would say probably about 100 pigeons, like in um, Home Alone 2, you know, the woman with the pigeons. Uh-huh. And there used to be this guy, and it used to absolutely terrify me. He just had all these pigeons. I can't have one near me, let alone 100. But, uh-huh. yeah. So that's my ultimate fear, is being covered by pigeons. Yeah, you remake Remake of uh, the birds, but just call it the pigeons. True, true. <laughs> the pigeons. It's going to be me and a few other people that find it scary. Very personal. Yeah, you know. 12 people would be like, yeah, I can yeah. This is like that. terrifying. <laughs> Everybody else is shrugging, like, okay. Yeah, yeah there's some pigeons. Some, yeah. yeah. Uh, something so, I had mentioned to Trista before we went live was. Um, Something that I, I found similar to Train to Busan and not the train part. It's that um, as an American, I'm used to people always having lots of guns in movies. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and how Train to Busan, they have to deal with, you know, in that movie, zombies and your movie, uh, werewolves, but there's no guns in it. And I found that uh, interesting because we're used to people just, you know, having to shoot uh, their way out of things. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we kind of did it one. We wanted to really like, it, like in England, you know, getting on a, 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 one of those trains late at night and it's raining and you're bored and, you know, no one's going to really have a gun. But I, I think I really want to just try to really show the monotonous boredom of being on a train. And, you know, I mean, you know, if, if I could make a well for me with those guns, great. You know, but yeah, not for that one. Yeah. I also think it helps in a theme that I like in movies is when uh, the humans have to them, themselves become like beast-like, kind of like in Hills of Eyes, the end of the movie, yes. they themselves are the, are the beast. And that's the end of how, not to give the movie away, but the you know they become very brutal. And I think it's more visceral when they don't have uh, guns. They have to use, you know, their hands and, and hand weapons. Absolutely, absolutely. We had that bit where they all pile on the... Werewolf, and I think in the original script, it was um, they were using umbrellas and suitcases, and I was like, I don't think that's going to do much against <laughs> right, the werewolf. Yeah. I think we have to be a bit more um, imaginative with our weapons. Yeah, yeah. and the so why different? Because, like I mentioned earlier, what why the two different styles of the werewolves? Uh, it, it, it was um, the the big one was the bloke, mm-hmm. and the other one were females. Oh, okay. Did you not realize they were females? I did not, but now, they had boobs. Oh, okay. Monster boobs. I, yeah. You know, it's it's. Um, yeah, they're my. He was supposed to be like the big oh. alpha with his pack of girls. So, yeah. Sorry if you missed that one. That's probably my fault. No, no, it makes sense. Yeah. There's something uh, when you were talking about them too that uh, kind of connected to a movie that you did the effects for the descent, and because yeah. uh, you were saying like so you take out the silver bullets and in the in the um, in the full moon, so in a way it's almost like you kind of take out the supernatural elements of the, of the werewolves, where I know they're still beasts and stuff, but maybe they're just this is just what werewolves are, and in the in descent, um, I mentioned this before in the show. A few years ago at a at a, a theater near me for Vampire Month, they showed The Descent. And I was like, that's a I don't know why this is a vampire movie. And then I thought about it. 
And really, the descent is is like what vampires would be if you took out all the supernatural elements. So I see kind of a connection there, like the where yeah, that's true, like a natural thing, Neil. To, like, yeah. yeah, they would yeah. be a natural monster. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you know, with with the descent, we were trying to work out, you know, what they should look like, and you know, obviously they live underground, and we had these ideas, we had these designs with massive eyes, and that didn't work. So we we did go around around quite a lot trying to work out what they should look like and what they sort of symbolize, which is, you know, underground and, you know, all about sort of primal savage, you know, we're just as bad as them sort of thing. They don't, you know, fuck over each other and cheat on each other's wives where, you know, people did. Uh, I I always read that um, the cast didn't see the monsters and the descent till like you guys actually filmed. Yeah, that's true. We, we we had to be really careful, always um, hiding them um, from the girls. And yeah, the first time they saw it, it was behind. And it's always kind of quite funny because you spend weeks and weeks planning not to let them see the creatures, and and then it's like action, ah, and then that's it. They've seen it, and it's <laughs> right. it's a creature, and you know. They're stuck in a tunnel, and a creature is, you know, all over them, and it's it's just Craig or Les in their makeup, and you know, it's 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 really funny when you do uh, creatures because if you're kind of like creating them, and, and it goes back to something in America, well, for London, and, and Mick Baker would say that sometimes you come in and see uh, David Norton with his big pause at, at, at the breakfast table and you think, oh, yeah. And, and I remember reading that, he'd be like, oh, my God, they look really goofy and stupid and, you know, no one's going to buy this and it's going to never work again. And you do have that. You're sort of sitting at breakfast, like all these callers eating their cereal and you just can't see them as scary at all. They look really daft. And, you know, it's just when you get them on set and you slime them up and you put the shadows and you watch it with the music and all that and you have to throw everything on it and it only looks good right at the end you know was that actually filmed underground like where did you guys film the descent uh pinewood studios uh we 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 talked about you know in, in the prep you know do we shoot in real caves and there's no way i mean if you've ever gone in the cave I mean, they're slippery and dark. You can't put power cables anywhere. So it was a complete impossibility. If Trista ever asked me the fear question, I I, I would not want to be in, in tight caves. That's uh, Yeah, I yeah. think that's like one I of the scariest you. things, you're right. Yeah, I mean, those people that do, the one that freaks me out is when they go under the water and, and down the holes. You know, like, what's it? Oh. Can a plunk or something? Yes, it's one of people. No, that would not be me. Not at all. I don't know why anybody would want to be in complete darkness underwater. No, I just there's going to be pigeons down there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's going to be some kind of horrible, <laughs> isn't it? You know, it's, I, I, also, yeah, I, I could never go on a submarine. I no, just, no. I, I'd I be the person trying to open the door, let me out, let me out. And they're like, no, no, you'll be like 10,000 meters under the sea. I just couldn't, you know, no I just way. couldn't do it. 
just every time you hear a creak, like when I, whenever I watch um, Das Boo or any submarine film, yeah. that creaking, it oh. really freaks me out. That, yeah. I, I, it scares the hell out of me. You know? I get claustrophobic wearing a mask for more than 20 minutes. So there's no way I could do something like that. But, you know, it's, it's part of life now. Is wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's crazy. So uh, uh, Rosie Day is in, um, you know, the lead in uh, The Seasoning House. And then she seems to be, I think she's in all your films. So uh, Rosie, yeah, she's, yeah, she's done four, all four of my movies. Um, she's like a little lucky charm. I phoned her up. I say, I actually, was, I actually even wrote them. If she was your lucky charm, then I was like, I don't know if I should ask it, but. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because great friends. And you know something? Season House was Rosie's first movie. And, know. you know, she's gone on to do so much stuff now. And, yeah, she's lovely. She's, she's a real sweetheart. And, you know, we get on and it's kind of nice, you know, to see her from growing up. And, you know, in that she was like a really young girl. And now she's a sort of woman and doing all these um, big TV things and stuff. So it's lovely to see her progression. Mm-hmm. Like, we saw a lot of girls. We saw about 100 and 10 girls before, and, and she was in the last 10. I didn't think I was going to find, you know, uh, uh, Angel. And, you know, I mean, it was weird because you do these casting things. It says, right, she's got to be uh, this high and this, uh, she's got to go through the, and they, you know, agents, they just send you every, everyone they've got. And you get these girls, it's really hard because they walk in and you're just like straight away, no. But you've got to give them their 15 minutes and give them encouragement and let them do the audition. And, you know, you would just see some and, you know, they wouldn't be able to fit in. <laughs> and it was like, what a casting agents. They just send. I always hate the auditions. I love them in one way, but I hate them because someone's given their time, their, you know, they, you know, learn their lines, learn their script, travel to you. To come through the door and you're like, oh, you don't physicality, you're you're not right there, and you know you've got to give them their time. And I always try to make it as pleasant experience for them as possible because you know it's 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 a beautiful job, you know, doing you know tens of auditions a week and you know getting one part a month or whatever. It's it's brutal. Actors, what they go through in auditions. I couldn't deal with that sort of rejection. You know, it's, it's no second prize. You know, it's you're going to get a letter, a note from the director saying, you know, oh, great, sorry, we went with someone else. And, you know, it's it's hard. And, you know, but thankfully there's a lot of really good girl act, female actresses I found, and I've used them in all my other movies. So I always remember the really good ones. And it's nice to be able to call them up and say that I didn't use it for that, but I'm going to use it for this. And, you know, you try to. It's always fun finding new more talent. Mm. I would assume not only um, being the right size uh, for seasoning house, then she also has to be believable when she's you know uh, uh, fighting people. So that would be a really hard role to. to yeah, I mean, parts. we we made this mock up of how big the vent she comes in and out of, and you know, we say, right, can you get through that? Yeah, so we make it smaller, smaller, smaller. And it was really weird how she she could just sliver in and out of this 
hole. It was like we made it smaller and smaller to the point where it was like, yeah, it was pretty, pretty amazing. But the physicality was so important, but also the fact that she got no dialogue, you know, in her, she had to do all that acting in her eyes. And if the eyes didn't have it, it would be, you know, it wouldn't work. So, I mean, we, we saw some other actresses before we found Rosie and they were great actresses, but it was just something about the eyes. If you can't feel enough from the eyes, then it's just not going to work. So I think about it now, it's actually quite a terrifying risk, but I, you know, you're trying to, but, you know, you don't think about that then, you only know, think about it after, you think, oh, wow, if I got the wrong actress, that would be terrible, but, you know. Yeah, and it's not, just, it's not just scenes where you want, you know, sympathy. Uh, she tells, you know, all her actions and the story through her eyes. And her yes, own. absolutely. So it was, yeah, it was a hard one to find her. Uh, Tristan, you have a question? Do you have any advice for someone who might aspire to a similar career? Uh, directing or... or uh, oh, yeah, direct. either or both. Uh, special effects and directing. Yeah. Um, I mean, with, with effects now, it's so different. To, I mean, I gave it up in 2011. Um, so things are really different now. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to advise on that one. But, you know, my biggest bit of advice is just phone up all the studios, you know, uh, anyone that's got an effects house, and just go and ask them if they, you could do all the sort of menial work just to meet people and learn and be there. Um, I know it's kind of a little bit different now because it's a lot of it's social media and, you know, I, I never dealt with any of that. Um, Directing-wise, one thing I would say is just make stuff on your phone, you know, take the time to... Because the thing is, now you've got this amazing bit of movie-making kit in your hands, you know, some of the biggest parts is directing. It's just getting a couple of people and blocking out a scene, you know, recording it on your phone, get your angles download cheap, free editing software, edit it, learn and understand why you need those shots, why you need coverage, you know, uh, learn about crossing the line, understand, talk to actors, just keep making stuff. So when you do get your your opportunity, whether you raise $20,000 to make a short film, all the mistakes and all your learning you've kind of done so you can make that really good because you only get to show your first short film to people once. And um, so you, you just want to blow people away. And that's, that's the kind of attitude because everyone's got a phone. Everyone's going to be practicing on it and making their films. Your one has to really stand out. So, you know, be diligent and, you know, read every book you can on movie making, watch the tutorials, understand every part of it, the cinematography, the editing, the, you know, the more you understand, the more you learn, the more you understand how to use all those bits as tools to make your movie as good as it can be. Because you just need one person to go, wow, that's a great shot, you know, 
and then you make another one into festivals, and suddenly you've got a few good shorts that someone's going to say, you know something? Uh, this kid's got a vision, let's, let's make a movie with him. And, you know, I was very lucky in the way that I did it. You know, I went and worked on 100 movies before I made my movie, and I learned there. But not, not you know, that, that's, that's a tiny percentage of people that are going to go that way. So, you know, the best thing you could do is when people say, okay, show me what you've done. You want to be able to show them something really good. So uh, once you made your first movie, how about like, you know, getting it out there? I mean, that, I assume that was new to you. You know, how, how do I, what do I do with the movie now? I, I well, on my first movie, yeah. I, I was really lucky because um, uh, Fright Fest chose it as opening movie. So um, I was very lucky. And I had very experienced producers on, on it. So, it was purely case of one was named Neil Jones, but he spelled his name differently. What's that? I noticed one was Neil Jones, but he spelled Neil differently. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, Neil Jones. Yeah, and um, but you know, it, it 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 was great that you know I had people that sort of knew what to do with it. You know, they it it it, it was opening movie fright fest. We toured everywhere with it, so we were really lucky in that most of the festivals kind of wanted it. So, yeah, you know, through that, I got an agent, um, UK agent, US agent. And, you know, I pitched on loads of movies, done movies. You know, I, I, you know there's a time I was pitching for, like, um, Leatherface and the Day of the Dead. And, you know, I'd always get to, like, the final two or three. And, you know, just, I think living in England, it's always hard to try to pip. The post, I think if you're in America, it's a lot easier. But, you know, it's 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 a brutal business. It really is. Uh, how important do you think the festivals are? I think really important. I think it gets your movie seen, but also talked about. And there's nothing worse than making a movie and never hearing about it ever again. And, you know... It's really hard because my fourth movie um, was a great little script and we made it, but there was a whole change of staff at the company that made it. They were making those big movies and it kind of got sort of brushed aside. And a lot of people are like, this is your best movie. And, you know, if you don't have someone that's behind your movie pushing it, no matter how good it is, it can easily just get, you know, left on the side. So, you know, when you make your movie, it's really hard because you, you can never say, right, I want to make sure there's enough momentum behind my movie once it's made because really all you care about is one mate's movie. And, you know, you have someone, you just kind of hope that the producers push your movie in the right direction, festivals, um, P&A, marketing, uh, theatre one, you know, you can never tell what's going on. You know, you can have companies going bankrupt. You can, you know, it's really hard. There's so many good movies out there just floating around, not doing anything, you know. Uh, did you go to the Fright, did you go to Fright Fest and watch it with the audience? Yeah, absolutely. That was terrifying because, <laughs> You know, you'll be sitting in the audience and it'll be all quiet. And, and that was um, 
we were sold out and it was 1500 seats on the main screen and you know someone coughed you'd be like coughing you know it was <laughs> it was it was kind of like it was really intense and you know i remember a couple of people walking out and you know thinking oh god you know it was it was a very very tense time it's always tense going with your movie because you know now and again at fright fest films can be laughed off the screen you know i've seen some real turkeys being and you just think oh my god you know is, is someone gonna hate this and um but yeah it's it there's, there's no way around it it's it's terrifying yeah, I've been to Fright Fest. I went there one year, and uh, yeah. it's the biggest festival I've been to. Uh, multiple screens, and uh, yeah, the audiences are huge. And and yeah, I won't name names, but there were a couple movies that people really uh, were not fond of. There were yeah. some movies you didn't like so much. No, I, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't. I won't pick on it. Yeah, but, yeah. Know, there was some I didn't like at all, but there was also some really great ones. Some that you, yeah, you talked about for you know yeah. for months afterwards. And it's kind of funny because I, I know the guys and Alan Jones um, is a really good friend of mine and you know they say you know they, they, they can't just put all good movies they've got to do a few and also you know, you know what's a good movie it depends you know a person's point of view and like you said uh, Seasoning House is really intense but then they also will show something that's kind of lighthearted and silly and then might appeal to certain people you know yeah, absolutely. And then they they always do a couple of really sort of trashy ones, and you know they they know some are just going to get a good laugh, some are going to just be like you know. But it's always nice for people they go for a beer afterwards and go, oh my god, that movie was rubbish, and can you believe that? And you know, not realizing the director's standing behind them, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I, I like Troy I won't name the name, but there was a movie I actually wanted to leave, but literally the people that made it were sitting right next to us. Yeah, yeah, I, I've I've got to be really careful of that because walking out of someone's movie, you know, they look at you watching, and you're just like, oh man, I've got to pretend I just went to the toilet. You know, it's because you got to sit with them and having a drink, and they're like, oh yeah, I saw you walk out of my movie. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's a bad, yeah, it's a bad thing, especially. Uh, someone, someone said to me once, you know, look, you, you hang out with those um, filmmakers. If their movie's bad, do you tell them it's bad? It's like, oh, no. it's like you know, it's it's, it's a, what part of normal life, you know, are you that honest to someone's face? You know, something you've been working on for two years. I, I know I don't know you, but it was rubbish. You know you. Lie and you know you see some kids, someone's baby, and oh, it's a cute little kid. Even if it looks like a potato, you know it's. <laughs> uh, but also, you get some of the the, the fans that they're for, for every ten that come up to you and say, "Oh, I loved your movie and it was great." You always get one that comes up and goes, "I didn't like your film." You know, <laughs> the really rubbish, and you're like, "Oh, thank you for telling me." Um, <laughs> you know. It's it's like what do you want to talk about? You know, it's like, and then some of them will start trying to give you pointers. You know, well maybe next time, what you should do, and, it, and you're just like, you really want to just say, have you made a movie? You know, <laughs> uh, you know and it's like you're aware of your film's failings. I don't need 
someone that works, you know, at Walmart telling me what to do next or my next movie to make it better. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard enough, you know, reading reviews, let alone people just coming up to you. And, you know, there's one thing, someone writing it in a review and you read it, you're like, gold, didn't like it. But someone coming up to you, at a festival, your your film's just screened, you've got a drink in your hand, you go, oh, hi, your film was rubbish, or, you know, that start of your film, you know, it's really slow and boring. It could get better, and you're just like, you know, do you tell someone that's just made you a dinner that it tastes like shit? You know, it's... So, yeah, it, it, it is funny. I remember, I tell you what's funny, is when they get you to sign their DVD covers, you know, which I'm always happy to do, Someone, and it's happened twice now, people come up with dog soldiers and say, oh, can you sign a copy of dog soldiers? And I was like, I, I didn't do the wells for dog soldiers. And someone went, no, no, you did. It's like, no, no, I, I didn't. That was Bob Keane, you know, image animation. Like, no, no, sign it. So I was like, no. And sometimes <laughs> it, you'd be like in a foreign country and, you know, they say, no, no, sign, sign. And I'm like, I did not do the... Well. And they can't understand. So you just get to the point, you know, am I rude or do I just... <laughs> what can you do? I'm not going to have an argument about whether I worked on dog soldiers or not, you know. Well. <laughs> I like that they, that they know better than you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm completely in your mind. I just forgot I did it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's your mind. Great. always makes me laugh when that happens. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Uh, Tristan, do you have another question? What's your cat's name? <laughs> What's my cat's name? Yeah. My cat. Did you see it walking out then? Oh, okay. uh, you I have a cat, know. right? I saw a cat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I just, oh. I, I haven't noticed her for This is like working on dog soldiers. You have a cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's you like I didn't know anyone else could see him. Cat, cat. Cat. My little cat is called Daphne. I don't know where, Daphne. Oh. I don't know where she is. Usually she sort of tries to get in with the Zoom calls, but uh, it's a cute little um, ragdoll cat. Oh, nice. Yeah, she's very great. Yeah. yeah. I saw David <laughs> pop up earlier. Tristan. Yeah, yeah. Did she? Did you see her walk by in the back? Yeah. Like Ragdolls are nice. They're like the Scottish folds. You don't see a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That you can sort of kind of see her little basket. That's where she sits. Yeah. When um, if I work on my computer, which is here, um, cat comes and sort of sits next to me. She's not a lap cat, but she just likes to sit next to you. Which is fine, I suppose. You know, she has boundaries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, my main boundary is that my bedroom's off limits because she she has the entire flat. But it's something about you're in bed and you're hearing a litter tray and she comes running up onto your bed and it's like, you know, something, she's got a lot of fur. Now and again, there's issues and yeah are, are you guys cat fans or you all got yeah, yeah i think we're all uh, animal fans here but yeah trista has all cats. several cats yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no she's she's, she's she's only like year nearly a year old oh, oh wow yeah but she's, she gets me up in the morning it's like eight in the morning she's meowing i don't know what's <laughs> going on 
For breakfast? Mm-hmm. For breakfast? Yeah, I know. It's just, you know, <laughs> I, I, I say to her, you just ate six hours ago. <laughs> and you're acting like I'm starving you. Six hours. You know, <laughs> it, it's just really bizarre. And she's really fussy. Well, they're nocturnal. That's why. <laughs> So she's been running around while you were asleep, and now she's I do hear her running around, mm-hmm. and you sort of think, just just give me a, a morning off, you know? <laughs> and it's like you woke me up. I got up, I fed you, and you take two bites, and you're fine because you're not hungry. <laughs> you know, it's bless her. She, she's very sweet, though. They do keep you company. Yeah. So, uh, are you working on anything currently? Yeah, I got three projects in development. Um, last year, just before COVID hit, uh, I was out in Boston in Cape Cod doing some oh, records. I'm actually on Cape Cod. Oh, right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, little town sandwich. Yeah, I, I, I loved Cape Cod. And, um, uh, so yeah, we're doing a movie there, very sort of New England Stephen King type John Carpenter um, movie a, a, about. Um, it's called Unnatural Selection. It's it's a TV show, and it, they sort of debunk uh, tons of myths like flat earthers and anything kind of people come on the show and sort of talk about stuff, and they try to debunk it. And essentially, the devil walks in, and um, it's a fallen angel, not devil. Uh, the fallen angel walks in and says that you know he's he's um, come down to earth, and he wants to go on this show, and you find out why he's in Cape Cod. And but it it, it was um, it, it, I love those movies, you know, like Mister Frost, and where someone just walks in and they look normal and they say that I'm a fallen angel, I'm a devil, I'm a demon, and they've got to talk it out to try to debunk him. Um, and, yeah, we were so close. We were within months of starting, and I literally flew back to England, and the next day they went into lockdown for wow. COVID. It was really harsh because a lot of the money was kind of uh, sort of raised, and, but suddenly COVID happens. No one wants to spend private equity money on a movie. You know, they're all like, you know, better hold on to it. Um, so that's a pain. And we're trying to get it back up and going this summer. Um, I've got another movie called uh, The Black Sight, um, which is being produced by Grimfest Films. Um, and that's uh, a dark horror thriller uh, about a woman that's, uh, after a really brutal tour in Iraq, she comes back and she's haunted by all these nightmares and um, she's accused of all these war crimes that she's convinced she didn't do. But as she starts to investigate it, she starts to find out things that she rather didn't. And it's very sort of Jacob's Ladder meets Zero Dark Thirty. Um, so, you know, that's that's hopefully... and. Uh, th- those are my main two. I've got a couple more that I'm kind of in the mix of writing and packaging up. So, you know, basically you just got to, you know, throw those of darts at the board and hope one hits, you know. Interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm sure we're all looking forward to seeing those. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully I'll shoot one this year. You know, it's it's COVID has just been because I work in the sort of low budget, it's indie film has taken such a battling. You know, TV is like everyone's working. Indie film, it's just a nightmare. So, you know, what can you do? You just gotta keep writing, developing, packaging and hoping one sticks. Yeah. I assume it's because the COVID restrictions is a lot more, uh, the cost would affect, you know, an independent uh, budget a lot more. Yeah. Than I mean, when you're on an indie movie, you know, you're trying to make sure, you know, how many meals are there in a day, how many toilet rolls and all this sort of stuff. Suddenly having a COVID officer and all this sort of stuff, you know, a friend of mine is doing a TV show. And if one person gets, um, a positive test, they closed down for two weeks. You know, you think, how on earth can you afford that? Um, so, yeah, uh, all that, but mostly it's a private equity because, you know, most people don't want to put, you know, a million dollars of their money in because they might need it because that one of their businesses is going under because of COVID. So, yeah, but um, hopefully I'll be out on the Cape. Um, yeah. I would have to meet up and have a beer, um, socially distanced beer. Uh, but yeah, I, I love. The I'm cake. all vaccinated. Yeah, I've got my next, my final vaccination in two weeks. Oh, excellent! Which excellent. which one did yeah. you have? Uh, Moderna. Okay, are you all vaccinated? I went with the or? Pfizer. A Pfizer. Yeah, um, I got the Pfizer. I'm halfway like you. I've got another one coming up. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, we got a thing with like all these anti-vaxxers in this country. I don't know if you yeah, know that. Yeah, there's some yeah. some of those. Yeah. Anyway, let's not get political because <laughs> that's not going on, on one of my mans. But um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, the Cape one next. Excellent. Yeah, I wanted to mention this was. Um, uh, well go USA is always good uh, with the show. They always send uh, Blu-rays and DVDs for us to give out. And they actually sent the seasoning house years ago on the show and we gave it out. And when I watched it, I was like, I, I love the seasoning house, but I was like, I've got to make sure when we're giving this out as a prize, I have to tell people it's a pretty, like, uh, you know, it's a rough movie. It's not like giving out like a kind of a silly, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, absolutely. Like, you can sort of traumatize Right. Someone that's like, not prepared for. Yeah. Well, so I'm not sure you want again. to go back in the, t- the day if anyone was traumatized by the movie or not. But. It's kind of funny because, you know, women like the film more than guys. Oh, really? And I think it was the fact that, you know, it wasn't exploitative. You know, I didn't have those naked girls getting, you know, all the girls pretty much always had their clothes on it. It was guys that didn't. But a lot of guys kind of felt I was pushing the all guys are pigs kind of, you know. But in war, it tends to be the women that go through that. You know, it's women have a hard time in war. And that's what I was trying to sort of show. And, and the resilience of women in war, sometimes you hear those women's stories and you're like, how on earth can you find that resilience to carry on with life and deal with what was going on in those wars? I mean, it, it, you know, when I did my research, I was blown away by 
the quality of people, you know. I mean, Season House really, you know, is, is very sugar-coated compared to, you know, what was happening in those wars. I mean, some of the stuff that I read, I could never, ever put in a movie, you know, and that was happening to real-world people. So, you know, and I had, uh, we had a couple of um, women that had suffered rapes and they were saying, you know, they'd watched it and it was a hard watch, but they appreciated what we were trying to show. You know, it's, it's, I actually went to a, a rape charity and said, look, we're trying to be as um, sensitive as we can. And they watched it and they said, we actually like your movie, but we can't endorse it because we'd be endorsing going and killing your rapist. And I was like, ah, you know, they said, we can't endorse revenge. You know, it's, it's, so we can't put a name to it, which, I sort of, and at first I was like, oh, 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 yeah, I suppose so, you know. So, yeah, it, it, the film hits some people very sensitively, you know. We got a lot of, um, a lot of, a hell of a lot of correspondence from women actually in, liking the fact that it wasn't an exploitative rape movie. It was done in a way that, you know, you show rape to be what it is, which is a horrible act of violence. It's not about sex or titillation. It's 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 violation. It's violence. So, you know, thankfully it was seen f- from most people in that way. Yeah. Uh, how about filming those scenes? Like, what's the vibe like on set? Is it something? It's, it's really weird because... I was kind of quite sort of nervous about it, but it's easier to do a rape scene than it is a love scene. Because with a rape scene, it's heavily um, choreographed and it's it's kind of like a fight scene in a way. If As long as everyone's doing their part in the right way, you know, it looks horrible. But most of the actors would be like, you know, what's, what's everyone so down about? You know, because for them, it's a fight scene yeah. where, you know, it's much more harder to do a love scene where you're talking about oh, when you're feeding this and feeding what's that. It's just like, it's horrible, you know. Thankfully, you know, all my scripts, I try not to do love scenes. So I just find them sort of. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just don't think they're needed. You know, it's it's yeah, you know, I'm I'm kinda like, you know, the soaps, you know, where they sort of, you know, kiss, fall on the bed and then it dissolves the black. And then it's under yeah. yeah, with full makeup and <laughs> you know, it's it's um but yeah, it's it's I think as long as the girls feel, you know, that it's completely professionally done, it's totally fine. Good. Uh, Tristan, do you have one more question? Oh, I, I'm wondering where people can uh, follow your work. Um, uh, you know something? It's mostly, I, I do, I'm on Twitter. Um, I can't remember my thing. I think it's Paul Hyatt one or something. Um, and on Facebook as well. And but if you go onto my Facebook, it, I do have rants non-film related <laughs> so I think we're all on the same page so it's, it's yeah yeah 
you know. We I always enjoy what, a good rant anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, something I say what I feel and, yeah. you know. Well, I it, saw you really liked a movie recently. The new which Bruce one? Willis, the new Bruce Willis movie. Oh, my God. That was, I mean, poor Bruce. <laughs> I mean, I just, I couldn't believe that one. You know, I mean, I enjoyed it for the wrong reasons, but <laughs> you know, it's it's hard. So I've worked with Thomas Jane before as well, and he's a lovely chap as well. And watching him in that, I mean, it's like it was ninety five percent their salary of the budget, and they made it for five percent. You know, it's yeah, it was it was sad times when you watch. That's Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis isn't that, you know? I, I could have got him in how, you know? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's funny when you get those ones and you start seeing that they're doing lots of sort of low budget ones and you're just like, oh, he's obviously fell out of favor. And, you know, it's, it's all down to sales figures, but, you know, hey, he makes a million dollars a day, so he's happy. Right, right. Yeah, you can't be that sympathetic at that point. Yeah, right. Yeah. And there are some. There are some that you could tell the movie though, where it's, it's uh, maybe an A-list actor, but they'll do a lot of smaller movies. But you you could tell it's something they really wanted to do. So they might make the big movies oh, yeah. to make money, and then they do these other movies that they actually want to do. But you could tell the difference between that and you know they're just making something that they probably don't want. <laughs> just kind of mailing it in. Hey, you, know, you, you look at Nicolas Cage, and he's just so cool that he does all these movies and he puts everything into it. I've really got to respect that, whether he's fighting an animatronic dinosaur or <laughs> it, he never looks bored. He never looks like he's just there for the paycheck. He always yeah. gives everything, and I really respect him for that, you know. This is a, uh, Lance Henriksen's uh, autobiography, which I love, uh, Not Bad for uh, Human. And he talks about in his book, he calls them his alimony movies. And he's really open about <laughs> really? it. But, he's, <laughs> like you, but no matter what it is, he's like, you, people could tell that these are movies I probably didn't want to do, but I had to do them for, to pay my alimony. He calls them alimony movies. It's not like, alimony movies. His message is always give it your all. Yeah. 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 It's, it's funny because... Because which he credits to his career is um, his first movie was Piranha Two, um, which was that he didn't need alimony then, but it was just you know Piranha Two, but he gave it his all, and the director of that is a uh, is the guy who made Terminator. What's his name? Uh, James Cameron. Yeah, Cameron yeah, yeah. He gave yeah. it his all, and that's why you know James Cameron liked him because he he wasn't there just showing up like didn't care about this and then, yeah, and you know something I always say you know because now and again I'll be on a movie. And an actor was sort of not my movies when I was doing prosthetics. I go, oh, and they'd say to me, Oh, God, this film's going to be really rubbish, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, when you've been shooting on a film, around the three week mark, you know whether a film's going to be rubbish or not. And, you know, now and again, an actor would say to me, Oh, man, what am I doing here? It's so terrible. And I always used to say, Look, why don't you? be the best thing in it. Give it yeah. your all. And yeah, what do you, you got know, to lose? Exactly. You know, it's like there's nothing wrong with saying, God, that was a bad movie, but <laughs> he was good in it. 
you yeah, know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and and it's you know, it, it's always disheartening when you sort of watch and you're there on set and you're just like, oh, man, it's going to be bad. <laughs> but, you know, you've got to do your best. You know, you come into work in the morning, you're getting paid, and you just got to do the best job you can. You know. Yep, I think that's a good message. Well, uh, I loved Hal, and I'm glad uh, Trista brought it to us there, to our attention. And I hope uh, people haven't seen it, go out and check it out. Oh yeah, yeah, liked it a ton. Well, thank you for suggesting it, Trish. Really oh, yeah. appreciate thank that. You for making the film, I'm excited to see more of your work. Oh, excellent! Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, it's been really fun. Yeah. Oh, is, it, is that 45 minutes gone? Oh, well, lovely. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm gonna go watch some. Telly and feed the cat. <laughs> 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 yeah. Thank you so much. When the, when the devil movie comes out, maybe we'll have you back on. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Take care, guys. Have a great night. All right. All right. Thanks Bye-bye. for watching. Good night, everyone. This is why I wave awkwardly while I hit Andy. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. We should have The tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming tonight! Mostly! They're coming tonight! Mostly! They're coming tonight! Mostly! They're coming tonight! Mostly! Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The tomb of Nick Cage. Oh,